Real changes require real solutions. At Back to Life Radio, powered by BZ Transfer Systems, we know that life happens. And when it's time to get back to life, we're here for you. Now, here are your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Renee Barn, Linda Pavick, and Paul Frazier. And we want to thank BZBoards.com and CopperTouch.com for sponsoring today's show. Make sure you check out those companies because you're going to hear from some of their employees and owners today as we talk about overcoming adversity. Now, John Wooden said you can make mistakes. But you're not a failure until you start blaming others for those mistakes. And when we have adversity, not everybody rises to the occasion with perfection. Many of us stumble and fall and make mistakes over and over. And John Wooden said, you can make mistakes, but you're not a failure until you start blaming others for those mistakes. And I think that's really powerful. Talks to ownership. It talks to responsibility and personal responsibility. And today we're going to talk about personal and professional ways to overcome adversity, whether that adversity is created through our own decisions or sometimes adversity is foisted upon us. I'm going to go to Linda Pavic first. She's the CEO of Copper Touch. And Linda, you've had a lot of adversity in both your personal and professional life. And I'd like you to share a brief snapshot of what you're dealing with and maybe some of the things that you used to help you overcome. And Linda Pavic, coppertouch.com, check it out while she's talking. Well, hi everyone. So glad you could join us today. Thank you, Sandra, for having me on. Um, I think my story of adversity, um, I'm not gonna bore the audience with the things, um, particular things that have happened, but I can say I've had personal adversity um, in the form of um, relationships and medical. And then I have had professional adversity in the forms of um, business ups and downs, failures. And um, so in both areas of my life that uh, are probably the most integral parts of my life, there has been a lot of adversity. And um, uh, one of the things that I have always prided myself on is two things, um, not allowing myself to have anxiety. The buzzword, I have anxiety, 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 anxiety. So I just say to myself, I don't have anxiety. And I do the opposite of everybody else, which is pretty common in the way that I live my life. If somebody else is doing something one way, I tend to do it the other way. So that doesn't surprise me. The second thing is I never allowed myself to go into depression. Um, it seemed like a complete waste of time for me to feel sorry for myself or be depressed. So those two things were probably my lifesavers. Um, I am 64 years old now, so I've lived a long time. And when I look back on the things that I have gone through, I don't think that I would have two successful businesses now and have the wonderful employees I have, the wonderful people I work with, um, if it was not for the fact that I did um, make those decisions. But I do have some quick bullet points on your, your subject. And here are the things that I followed when I was in my worst adversity. 
the first thing I said to myself is I'm not going to blame anybody else for what's happened to me. I'm, it is my fault. It doesn't matter who else was involved. It is my fault that I'm in the situation I'm in, and I'm the one that has to fix it. I'm also not going to depend on anybody else to fix my problems. They are my problems. I created it, and I have to fix it. The next one I did was I accepted the situation I was in as my new reality. I can't walk in a daze and say, well, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll change. I accepted it as my reality. I put my hand down on the table and I said, this is it. This is where I'm at today and I have to start fixing it. Uh, the next one goes again with what I said earlier. I did not allow myself self-pity. Then what I did after that was I did a three-part situation. I reflected on what had happened. I evaluated why it had happened. And then I started instituting change, both professionally and personally. And then once I had started to institute that change, I realized I have to let things go. I have to forgive because there were a lot of people in my life that maybe I had felt had done me wrong. It doesn't do any good to hold a grudge. It doesn't do any good to think of revenge. None of those things matter. In the grand scheme of things, you have to let things go and you have to forgive. And then the last thing that I did was I made a vow to myself, no matter what happens, I will never, ever, ever, ever stop trying. So those are my kind of um, recipes for how you overcome. So it's self-responsibility then. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, right. Paul, let's go to you. This is Paul Frazier of BZBoards.com. What did you think about what Linda had to say? What resonated most with you? Well, I think what she was talking about, self, being self-aware of yourself of what you're doing, um, be accountable is, is a, what I think a lot of people should keep, should be noted to do, is to be accountable for yourselves and your actions and your feelings, um, because a lot of people don't. A lot of people blame other people for what happens to them. And I've done that in my past. I have not done that now, but I've blamed people for what ha has happened to me. And I can't, I have, to, I have to look at myself and I have to say, you know what, you got yourself in this predicament. You have to get yourself out of it. No one's got a net to save you. So, yeah, you got to be accountable for your actions and for everything that you do in life. And you know what? At the end, everything works out. Everything works out. So overcoming challenges, you got to deal with them. You have to put your best foot forward, walk, walk with pride and everything, chest back, arms out, or, you know, shoulders back, chest up, and just, you know, do it. And don't blame other people for your mistakes. That's all, you know, these things are great to say. They're just really hard to do. I know when I'm feeling hungry or angry or frustrated or sad or really any sort of high emotion, it's hard for me to stay in that viewpoint. You know, we can talk about these things, but realistically living by these rules, I think, is really hard. Renee, what do you think about it? I agree with you on that. It is really hard. It's, you know, when you got so many emotions going through, 
your mind, you know, it is hard just to be down to earth and be like, okay, let's center myself, you know, because a lot of times you have to stop, you have to take a breath, you got to think about it, like, okay, what's the issue? What's, you know, what do I do from here and go from there? Absolutely, absolutely. So what do you do? And I'm going to go to Linda first, like, what do you do when you're feeling like defeated, beaten down, hopeless? Like, how do you turn that around? Because I think overcoming adversity, there's all these great tips and tricks, but the hardest thing is, you know, and I think of that children's special, put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door from the Christmas special. And I think taking that first step is really hard. And I find it's best if I don't think about it. Like I think battles are won and lost in the mind. And if I don't think about it, I can get myself moving and I can get myself taking action. But if I start thinking about it, I swear my like butt grows roots and I'm stuck to the couch. I'm going to go to Linda first on her strategies for taking that first step towards positive change. Um, mine is fairly easy answer. I count my blessings. Every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is count my blessings. It doesn't matter how bleak things look or how bad things are. I count my blessings. Every night before I go to sleep, I count my blessings. If I'm having a really tough day, I may count my blessings two or three times during the day. But that is my biggest uh, go-to is always um, remembering what I am blessed for and lucky about or grateful for versus uh, thinking, I wish I had this or I wish this hadn't happened or I wish I could have this. How about you, Paul? Self-awareness, I think, of what you're doing, um, how you got to where the point where you got to, how to get out of it. Um, Again, Linda brought up blessings. I bring up I don't say this word very often, but faith. <laughs> I have found faith a long, uh, not a long time ago, just recently in the past six, seven months. So, and uh, it's, I never thought I would say this, but I mean, I did. And um, I'm, and that's what I do. I, I turn to that also. I, I self aware, just make sure, you know, my, if I have problems with, um, uh, professionally or personally, I don't bring other people. I try not to bring other people into it, except good people who I can trust, who know me and know my feelings and how I go about life and stuff like that. I can sit down and talk to them about what I'm adversity I'm going through through life, and then they basically help me. So when I've got a support system that is just humongous. Um, People in this room here are my support system, but I, I just think it's self-awareness of what you're doing in life. And, and, and again, I'm going to bring up this word again, be accountable. So how about you, Renee? What do you do when you are having trouble stepping forward? If I'm in a situation where I'm having issues, it depends on the exact situation. But if I need to get my mind to like, I'm really stuck on something and... Um, you know, it's just causing me to not be able to focus on anything, whether it be work or home or anything, and I'm just stuck on it. You know, it's getting me upset, this or that. I like to turn to music. 
I really need to kind of distract my mind and get away from whatever it is that is bothering me. So whether it be music or I pray and try to just let God take it over, um, you know, just whatever I can to get my mind off of it. Otherwise, sometimes, depending on exactly what it is, I might call my husband or my best friend and just kind of vent a little bit and get it off my chest, you know, and get another viewpoint on the situation and try to say, you know, have them say, okay, well, what about try this or, you know, and just get some ideas. Yeah, ideas, because that starts forward motion. And if it's something that you don't want to talk to, you know, your friends or your family about, or it's a big deal and you don't want to burn out your friends and family, I just want to interject that writing to the journal is, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, writing to a journal and writing a letter to whoever, if it's a dead family member, if it's the president of the United States, whoever it is, but a lot of times just expressing yourself on a piece of paper, it doesn't have to be well-written, you're never going to send it, you're probably going to throw it away anyway, can bring you clarity. Because once we remove the emotion from the situation, and that usually burns out when you're talking, you know, you can feel yourself start to get tired, you know, you're talking, 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 and then you're like, as you let go of that emotion, you know, you start kind of slow down, you talk less, you don't feel like talking about it. And it, it's a relief valve. And you can also do that with a pen and paper. Have any of you guys had any luck with journaling? Uh, no, but you know what, though? I have had luck with when I get something really pressing on my mind or I'm really, as Linda would put it, anxiety out. You know, to tell you the truth, I go to the piano and I start playing the piano and that relaxes me. That puts me in a whole nother state of mind. It's like I get lost into it. And it just, I'm a whole, my wife tells me I'm a whole different person when I'm sitting there at the piano. It's like, it's, it's like, um, it's like a therapy thing for me. So that's, that's kind of like what I do. I love that. That's very interesting. Renee uses music and and Paul, you use the playing of music. Linda, does music do it for you? No, no, I, I don't distract myself. Um, that's kind of a rule that I made. I don't allow distractions. I, I have to fix whatever is going on. I'm, I'm a little bit too tough on myself that way. And I admit that. But um, I did start journaling uh, last year. And I have enjoyed um, my writing and I will be doing a lot more of it here soon because I start I start back in school in three weeks. So um, I will be doing a lot of writing very soon, which I think will also be uh, very therapeutic. Learning, I think, is kind of a, a, thera a therapy for me. I think so, too. You know, I think that. Um... When there, especially when there is an unsolvable um, problem, like, you know, when I think of like, you know, somebody is, is, you know, terribly ill or, or terminally ill and, you know, it's not a problem you can solve. You just have to accept it. You just have to deal with it. And it sounds easier than it is when, you know, I have a friend who's terminally ill and she's young and she's a mom and, you know, we're watching her waste away, you know, before our very eyes and she tries to be positive That's not something we can fix. That's not something we can change. And, finding a place to put 
that feeling of hopelessness and anger and frustration. Sometimes I can leave it at the gym. Sometimes I can't stop the rumination in my head of going like, this is so terrible. This is so terrible. The, her kids, her husband, her mom, like the whole thing. I can't change it. I can't resolve it. I can't fix it. And I can't just accept it. Um, and that's where learning, immersing myself in learning something new will give me that brain break. Right. And I also think, Sandra, just adding to that, uh, Renee touched on it a little bit. I think that's where faith also um, it, it comes in. Yeah. I think, I think that people that have a very strong faith understand that, you know, we're all human. And unfortunately, we are all going to meet our demise on this earth. There, there's no easy way to say that, except that's the way that it is. And some are going to be young, some are going to be tragic, some are going to be normal and peaceful. And I think faith helps you to understand that. So one of the things that I do during that type of adversity that you're bringing up is that's when I will study faith-based um, scenarios because it helps me to um, understand that, you know, life, life is, is not something that was given to us as a given. It is something that, well, a privilege, Paul, yeah. I, I guess you could say that. I think um, also you can say it's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know what the creator had yeah. in mind for us. We yeah. just don't know. I just know that there's a plan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that allows us also the relief of feeling the illusion that we can really control and change everything. You know, there are certain things that we can change. There are certain things we control that we have within our power. But I do think the majority of anxiety and stress and frustration come from stepping out and thinking that we can control things and change things more than we really have the power to do. What do you guys think about the relationship between overcoming adversity and knowing just what's really in your kind of locus of control. I'm going to go to Paul first. What do you think about relinquishing control and, you know, anxiety, I think is produced because we think we have to fix these things. We have to solve these. We have to get it right when that's really faulty thinking. Uh, a lot of people don't want to relinquish control because Again, that that brings on anxiety for people to to release control. But I don't have that problem. Um, I don't think of myself as a controlling person at all. Um, I think of myself as a anxiety person, but I'm working on that too. But as far as uh, taking can uh, giving up control. That's not very hard for me to do. I can give up control, um, especially if something that I don't even know that I've had trouble with, I don't even know much about that I'm in control. I can go to somebody and really ask them, you know, here, I want you to take care of this. Um, it's out of my control of what, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to fix it. So I'm asking you to please help me through this so we can come to... And a, a great ending 
And so, no, giving up control does not bother me one bit. How about you, Linda? Uh, boy, that's a, I think that's a 50-50 with me. Yeah, you're a CEO, I would, a company owner, you're a caregiver. Like, you, you got a lot on your plate. Right. I think you read my mind. I'm forced into controlling a lot of things. And there are some days that I'd like to to be more like Paul and be able to say, I'm going to let everybody else control everything. And I'm just going to kind of float through my day. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, not, I'm not that way. I'm not that way. <laughs> and, uh, pull back the reins. Do back. my work <laughs> and take orders. And uh, there are there are days that I that I wish I could do that. But I don't have those days. And I don't regret it. And I'm, I'm kind of um, joking a little bit here. Um, I definitely um, guess I would have to say that I don't relinquish a lot of control because I have too much responsibility. Well, let me ask you, though, because, you know, I, I look at some of these things, too, and I think it's like kind of a chicken and an egg thing because I I have a lot of responsibility on me as a company owner, as a single mom, as a veteran caregiver, but I also don't know if I would, I don't know what, how I would be if I didn't have this responsibility. Like, I think I'm, I'm a little bit of both. I think we take these things on and yet we, you know, it's, it's, it's just a funny thing. Like, I don't know if I control things because I'm controlling because I have to, but did I choose to do these things? Cause I actually am a little bit controlling. Like, I really don't know where one ends and one begins because I know if my mind is set on something, I am like that stubborn mule that you cannot get to take a step. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with what you're saying there, Sandra. I don't have the answers to that with, within myself either. Um, I just know that I've been put in situations where if I don't do it, it's not going to get done because right. I don't have other family members that I can rely on to take care of things. If, if it's not me, then the people aren't going to be taken care of. And right. so I, I was put into situations. And then um, Paul's father happens to be one of my business partners, and he um, demands that I take responsibility for a lot of different things. And um, you talk about a control freak. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. You bring up a really interesting scenario because what would I be if I wasn't in these situations? I think I'd be bored. <laughs> well, I think people control is a different kind of animal. I mean, I think people, uh, I think everybody is con- has controlling issues. I think mean, everybody in their life has controlling issues. It's just a matter of how you deal with it. It's a matter of how you deal with the control that you got. You know, um, my dad, on the other hand, he's a very controlled guy. He he controls everything from when I was born until now. <laughs> I mean, he controls. He he's just he's just that kind of a guy. But I think everybody has control issues that that I, that they deal with but it's just a matter of how you go about controlling those issues i should say you know <laughs> so how about you renee what do you think well as far as you know controlling it all depends on the 
what it is like me personally like some things i'm very controlling about i am a stubborn german i am stuck <laughs> in my ways when it comes to certain things and if it's not done right i get upset so i've got to take over and finish whatever it may be but i've learned a lot in the last year with um selling our house and buying a new house and you know getting the new house I couldn't control any of the contract stuff, you know, everything in the world nowadays. I mean, there was delay upon delay because they couldn't get products. They couldn't get this. They couldn't do, you know, everyone's just so busy. So I had, yeah, that's it. It was automatic control. So I had to learn to just relax, breathe, just let it go. Things are going to happen. You know, one of those things, give it to God. It's going to happen when it's going to happen, when it's meant to be, it's going to be there. You know, it was one of those, I couldn't control none of that. And it was, it's been a life lesson this last year, year and a half with that. It's, a, you know, it's a very hard thing because the more emotionally involved we are with something like a home or a family member or a dream or something you want in life, the more emotion we assign to it, the harder I think it is to have kind of this laissez-faire you know, oh, well, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Like, no, this is my house. No, this is my family. Right. Like, no, right. this is my kid or my wife. Like, you know, all bets are off with that. And I think part of, um, you know, part of, of overcoming adversity and opposition is, is emotional regulation. Because when we let anxiety run rampant, when we let anger run rampant, when we let fear run rampant, we are now emotionally dysregulated. Like we are like a, like a machine that is like running on the wrong circuit. And I think, you know, we talked about journaling and playing music, you know, either participating in the playing of music or listening to music, you know, or Linda immersing herself in educational pursuits. All of those things do let us bring down that, um, you know, kind of dysregulated state back into a regulated state. But let's talk about the fear of making a mistake or the fear of failure or, um, those things that really, you know, you make the decision to step forward and then this, the fear locks in. And when I first started running my company, a couple of my employees had really big phobias about making a mistake. And I'm like, guys, like, you know, in technology, we're just making stuff up. It's never existed before. You know, there is no mistake. There's just a different outcome. Like you didn't get the outcome you were seeking for because many, many software programs that were designed to do one thing, just like the medical industry, a drug is designed to do one thing and you find out it really benefits something else. Now, that's not a mistake. That's just a different outcome. And I think many of us, carry a lot of emotion with the concept of making a mistake. And I'm going to go to Linda Pavic first, because you've owned a couple companies and you, some have done great. Some have, have struggled a little bit and you've had some challenges. How do you face the, the idea that something you're doing is or was a mistake? Oh my. Um, so I guess at the risk of not being totally transparent here, um, you were being kind. I had um, a business that completely failed 
and the failure was my fault. It was it was totally on me. And um, it was something that I had to, for, I want to say a year, year and a half, I tried everything to come up with a scenario why this was not going to fail. And for that year, year and a half, I just made things worse and dug in a lot deeper. And so when I look back on it now, I say, okay, if I would have not taken that 18 months of lying to myself and kidding myself, if I would have just hit it head on and said, okay, it's going to fail, shut the whole thing down, pay the piper and be done with it, I wouldn't have owed as much as I ended up owing in the end. But it didn't work that way for me. Would it work that way for me now? Yes, because I learned from that. But the the failure was there is no other way it could be described as a mistake of failure. And it was all on me. I have not run from that. I have not hidden from that. I'm not embarrassed about that. Do I wish it wouldn't have happened? Of course, I wish it wouldn't have happened. But it was destined to happen because I wasn't making the right decisions and the right choices. I was doing things for the wrong reasons. And I think that is what was the biggest outcome for me was I made sure everybody got paid that needed to get paid by getting a second job so that I wasn't filing bankruptcies or, you know, stiffing anybody. And then I started over and now we're successful. And so what led from a huge failure to some success? I know that it's really common for people to say, oh my gosh, if you failed a business or something, you know, that's bad and it's it's a bad scenario. I'm not embarrassed about that at all. And I wouldn't be embarrassed to tell anybody. Um, in fact, I will use that as a platform to help other entrepreneurs to know that chances of failure right now as an entrepreneur, even if you have an established business, are up significantly percentage-wise that you're going to lose that business just because of certain economic conditions and supply chain issues. So, well, I remember when I started my business, Linda, the California failure rate for first-year businesses, 98%. Okay. But my question is, and, you know, this is going to be, you know, how I look at what the story you told me. I don't look at as your failure. I look at that as your first round because entrepreneurs are serial. They generally don't, if they're really an entrepreneur, they don't go away after their first, you call it a failure. I call it a learning lesson. You either win or you learn. And you don't lose, you don't fail, you win or you learn. And you learned valuable things that made running your second company and third, fourth, however many you've had. I've had three. My first one was an abysmal failure. And I don't look at it as an abysmal failure. I go, okay, you either learn or you win. Because there's really not an entrepreneurial school. Like, yes, you can go to business school. Yes, you can learn, take classes. But there's really nothing like running your own business. And you have to learn. And I can't think of any client I've ever had, Linda, and I've been coaching for 25 years now, that hasn't had what I call starter businesses under their belt. You start them and they stop. You start and you stop and you start and you stop till you get it right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. 
failure breeds success. Yeah, so I don't I don't even like the word failure. I I I actually don't allow it to be used in my company like in any meetings. We can't say something's failed and we can't say something's wrong because those have such high emotion to them and there's been many times that that people that work for me have come in with an idea and they're like I'm so upset I can't figure this out and I'm like, "Wow." I said, "But look what you did figure out. Like <laughs> look what you did create. Look what you did learn look what you did and so you know if you just adopt the mindset you either win or you learn I think that allows you to keep that emotion on high okay well I didn't win but I certainly learned and Linda would you say that 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 fits your experience yes no absolutely and would you rather have it a learning lesson or a failure in your mind well, the only reason that I target it as a failure is because um, I tend to be a little bit hard on myself, as I'm sure you can tell, and I I don't want to cross into the rocky waters again where I was, and it wasn't, I think, what's hard to explain to people. What happened in that business wasn't because of dollars and cents and numbers. It was because of trying to be a social justice warrior, not in the same definition as social justice is today, but in a definition of what it was 15 years ago. And um, making the wrong decisions because I was more involved with taking care of people than I was with, with taking care of the business. And you, you, can't, mistake. you have to have a good balance. Right, rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that to me is just a rookie, you know, going your 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 balance was off. You know, a good company owner needs to balance company growth without like, you know, mowing over the employees and burning them out. And you're either, you know, you either burn people out in your first company like I did or you don't burn them out and you burn out the company. Like these are things that nobody can teach you from a book. Right. Yep. Because that line, you chase that line, Linda. You know, you chase that line today. I chase that line today. Like, you know, you try not to be so profit hungry that, you know, you create a poor working environment, but then you can't be so concerned with creating a great working environment. You don't make a profit because then, you know, either way, everybody loses. But that line shifts. You know, that line isn't a perfect um line. So I would not know how to tell you, Linda, to overcome that past starter business because that's a shapeshifter. That shifts depending on the employees, the people, the the viewpoint. Like that's that's one of those gray area ones that you can only walk through, come out the other end and keep going. That's correct. And I always have to keep that somewhere in my repertoire as a reminder, because there are times that will come up in my current situation where there will be a situation um, with employees that will resonate back to where I was then. And I have to sit down and I have to take a deep breath and I have to say, okay, there's going to be some tough choices I'm going to have to make here that I didn't make back then. And I, so as you say, the learning process, absolutely. Because Uh, In being an entrepreneur, um, as much as 
an entrepreneur like me wants to make sure that everybody that works for me or is a part of my life, that they feel loved, cherished, taken care of, uh, respected, all of the, the wonderful things. You also find out that there are people that will take advantage of you. And so that is what I'm not good at. I'm not good at that side of it. I'm not good at um, the ramifications of having to sit down and say, okay, I have to do something about this because it's not fair to everybody else type thing. Right. Putting limits on. Uh, right. right. Yeah. Putting limits. I think a lot of people with giant hearts have that problem, especially as an entrepreneur. And what I'm hearing and what I really like that I'm hearing is how you're not stuck beating yourself up over the past. It's like part of overcoming obstacles and overcoming oppositions and is is looking back and go, you know what? Yeah, did I did I make some choices I wouldn't make today? Clearly. Did I learn? Absolutely. And am I winning today? And I think staying present, like you just dipped into the past. You like you did a compare and contrast going, okay, well, you know, what do I do? I learned what not to do. That's what, you know, starter companies are for. You learn what not to do and you get better at it. And I think that also has to do with relationships. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about that for a moment. Everybody's had obstacles in their personal relationships and the relationship continues if you work through them. So, Paul, let's talk about some of the things that you can do that you've learned from a past mistake that you either win or lose or sorry, win or learn that not not win or lose, win or learn. In the past, in, a, in past relationships. Yeah, like you know, you you learn things, you learn what not to do in your past relationships, so oh. you know what to do in your current relationships. Well, let me just say one thing that um, I think, Sandra, you're right. I'm never going to use the word mistake again. I'm going to use the word learn because the my uh, I've been learning a lot, and in relationships, I. <laughs> I know one thing is in when I when I talk about when we talk about here about relationships is that I don't like like I know when people take advantage of other people and when people take advantage of me. Um, that's when I I didn't know how to deal with that and I didn't even know where to find that. I didn't know if somebody was doing that to me, but I have learned that these relationships that when people do take advantage of, of me or my family or whatever, I know right away. I know exactly what, what to do, how to get rid of them, <laughs> how to get them X'd out of my life. But in relationships, like my wife, I, I was 40 years old when I got married. I didn't think I was ever, ever going to get married because I found it really, you know, I just, I, it wasn't for me because I didn't want to be taking care of, of another person. I know that's selfish, but at that time I was very selfish. And now I look at it as I don't know where I would be without her. And I just think that you got to look forward to people that bring good goodwill to you, that will bring relationships that are really good back into your life because... 
I've learned a lot with the relationships with Linda, relationships with these employees here. I've never had before. Um, I never had the chance to, and now I'm here, and it's just it's it's something it's it's. Yeah, I'm gonna just touch on here, Paul, because we're getting to the end of the episode, and I want to give credit where credit do and when you encounter a situation in your life and you know that you either win or learn and that you never lose that yeah. came from nelson mandela that's not you know from me that's not from you know any popper literature uh nelson mandela said i never lose i either win or learn and we're going to be back again next week with another great episode i want to thank renee barn paul frazier linda pavick i want you guys to check out coppertouch.com it's a really cool product it's a solid hand sanitizer you're going to want to check it out and also check out bz boards they are a premium transfer system and if you are looking to help a loved one or yourself make transfers from wheelchair to car to bed easier, check out bzboards.com. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. On behalf of your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier, and our friends at BZ Trans Systems, thanks for listening. For more information, go to www.bzboards.com. Join us next time on Back to Life Radio.